Friday. Ooh. Yeah, the geekiest day of the week. Welcome to Geektainment Weekly. I am one of your hosts, R.D. Van Houten, joined by the awesome Ian Benzman. Hello, hello. And the fantastic Andy Bisha. Hello, eh? Hello, boys. How are we? Uh, I was going to say fantastic, but... Just used it. You know, Perfect. you know, I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm doing really good. It, no, today's been this week has been um, it's been a week. Yeah, it's been gotta, it's been a week. It's been a week. A yeah, big. a lot of a lot of stuff going on here. A lot mm-hmm. of stuff going on in the geek world. Mm-hmm. Um, freaking um, actually, our our D pointed this out to me right before we started. Um, apparently, Ready Player One's release date. Mm-hmm. You said it was shifting a day early. Yep, they're jumping up a, a day early due Ooh. to. Easter and spring uh, break, yeah, and that they're hoping sense. that's going to boost their sales. It probably will. I mean, I've it's not like an un, unheard of thing to happen mm-hmm. in in film. Like it's it happens uh, every now and then because the holidays and stuff. Um, so I mean, I, I can't imagine it's going to hurt the box office at all, right? You know, um, that movie looks like it's going to be incredible, though. Oh my gosh, I, I can't you. wait to I'm see so the Iron Giant. Yeah, that you know, it's funny. That's actually what. That's what got me the most giddy in the trailer. Oh, look, seeing it's the Iron, Iron Giant, Giant yeah. with the little DeLorean. There's going to be around. so many really how, awesome how cameos. How lovely! And then the Frederick Krueger comes out and he starts scratching your face off, and you say, yeah. "Hey, Fred, that's not very nice. <laughs> Why are you doing that to me?" I'm excited for that. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, it's Spielberg, first of all. Right. Um, second, I, I got to read the book a few years ago. It came in a loot crate. Mm-hmm. Great book. Fantastic book. It gave me a very uh, Willy Wonka-ish vibe, right. sort of. Right. Um, actually, it, they wanted Gene Wilder to originally play uh, that character. I could see that. Um, but he turned it down, and then, of course, he and then, passed he away. He wanted him to play the little boy? No. He wanted him to be the little boy man? No, no. That's um, What's Ty, going on Ty with Sheridan. my voice? Ty Sheridan <laughs> the, is the main character. Okay. That's Cyclops from uh, like yeah, the, the newer Cyclops. First class. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, he's, no, he's not in first no, class. He's in, uh, was he in first class? Apocalypse. No. no, he's a, he's an apocalypse. Uh, no, when did they first yeah. introduce him? Days, 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 days of, of future past. past. Days of future past. No, Some no, didn't they introduce him in first class? Oh. In the scene with uh, no. Oh, you're right. Days of future past. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yes. That's my bad. Mm-hmm. There's so, so many of them. There's so many bad ones too. Mm-hmm. They all kind of just get lost in the shuffle of crappy striker villain and or uh-huh. Magneto. And hopefully that's going to change. Yeah, I'm. I with. I'm. You know. I think Marvel. Knowing how Marvel handled Spider-Man, I could almost see Magneto not being in their first attempt at an X-Men something or other. I personally think you need to start with Night of the Sentinels, like the animated series did in the nineties. Yeah. Okay. I think that is the perfect way to start. I could see that. That you know, like, because you know, Magneto, you build up to him. He's he's their he's their Joker. Right. You know, he he is their. Arch, I mean, a lot of times he's recently the last handful of years he's mainly been an X Men and a good guy, um, but you know for for decades Magneto was their arch enemy. He is right. he is Xavier's arch enemy, former best friend, and and the crazy thing is is that he's actually been in the movies less than Stryker, right? Which is uh, insane to me because that character's in one storyline in the book, and he's a preacher. He's not even he's not even an army dude. So hopefully they delve into. I think they have some of the best villains in all of comics. You got now, so many sinister juggernaut, which they fucked up, and you had just so many. I could literally is Galactus just, an X Men villain? No, Fantastic Four. Okay. But right. 
right. also now under Marvel's purview, right. which is pretty awesome. Same with Silver Surfer. So he's not going to be a big floaty, ethereal hand cloud. Yeah, no, I hope not. Uh, look at me. I'm the hand from Super I, Smash Brothers. I'm right. almost. I'm hoping, like, as awesome as I'd love to see Fantastic Four done correctly, um, with a proper Doctor Doom, I would rather see Doctor Doom as like the Marvel Universe's next Thanos. Yeah, but I have a I have a theory that actually the next big like it's not going to be a villain, it's going to be an an event type thing. I think Secret Invasion is going to be like the backbone of moving forward after Infinity or Avengers Four because between Infinity War and Avengers Four, you have mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, right? Um, and um, actually, that's uh, they just some photos of her leaked. Online yeah. um, this week, yes. um, a little bit of fervor amongst the fans because uh, she's not in her normal. It's not the normal red and blue and yellow suit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's literally the perfect looking design is just green, and people are freaking out about it. That's, I think it looks great. Um, but that being said, it's set in the '90s and is coming out between both Avengers films and the Scrolls are the villains. And I think Brie Larson's going to be a great. Oh, I think she'll, she's a I great love, actress. I, I love her. Oh, she's a great she's actress. I, I just I think the the fact that the scrolls are um, like that the scrolls are like in the film has a lot to say with what's going to happen moving forward after Avengers Four because they wouldn't just place that film set in the '90s in between the two if it didn't have something to do with what was going on. Right. And I think there's a reason we haven't heard what the title of Avengers Four is yet because there's going to be a giant reveal. I think it's going to be very much story hinged. Um, yeah. So we'll see about that. Um, but uh, yeah. Oh, um, skipped over something. Apologies, guys. It's um, all good. Bioware. Yeah. Came out and confirmed that there's a new Dragon Age coming out. That is exciting to me. Yeah. yeah. You know, I I've never actually played any of the Dragon Age games, but I know they have a huge following. I have. They're I, badass. I played uh, I Inquisition, mm-hmm. and that game was a lot of fun. You know, the fact that you have all these multiple characters running around that you get to control, and it's just you get to build your own team, and and it's just it's a hoot nanny of a right. game. Hoot nanny. Yeah. Casey Hudson from uh, Bioware tweeted out that. Reading lots of feedback regarding Dragon Age, and I think you'll be relieved to see what the team is working on. Story and character focus. Too early to talk details, but when we talk about live, it just means designing a game for continued storytelling after the main story. So, interesting So, they're basically saying the good stuff's coming in the DLC. Right. That's kind of what I got from that, um, which kind of pisses off fans nowadays, but... Yeah. I personally think you give the game in the box, that's the game. Like, I love the fact that there's additional stuff, but I feel like when it started, it was very much, oh, here's the game, and then we're going to give you additional shit, and now it's very much, here's most of the game, and you have to wait for the DLC to get the full picture. Yeah, that that's always kind of a bummer, but I mean, as long as they're bettering the game, um, like, I know that a lot of people don't like what, you know, the new Star Wars Battlefront, but the fact I love that... It. The fact that they're giving all the DLC for free, and I know that's mm-hmm. kind of like a "Hey, we fucked up, sorry." Yeah, but that is literally know, them going, "Hey, fuck." We I fucked mean, up, and I don't sorry. mind paying a little bit for DLC, but you know, a lot of companies are now planning DLC and they're thinking yes. so they're like removing like story. Injustice then, too. Like you think you play as Ninja Turtles, you could play as like I think Jason Voorhees. Like you can play mm-hmm. as all these characters, but you have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, that's cool. Like I understand you put the time and the money to do these things, but. Put it into the original game. Charge ten bucks more. I don't care. Right. Give it to me up front. I'll, like, I'll well, pay. I, it's. I think some people will care, and they'll be like, "Why are games going up true. again in price?" Because I remember when games 
expensive game was 50 yeah. bucks. Right. Yeah. Now it's, it's like 60, 60, 60 70, 70, mm. 70 really. $69 yeah. usually. Is that how much the Switch games are? No, well, the Switch like games are the Switch thought, games yeah. are either 49 or 59 right. depending on the title. Right. But, mm. you know, but I say you why not release like a Standard release, well, they and do. Then a deluxe they do like now. they did That's, with Battlefront. Well, now, but the problem is 2, now is you have me. like for Nino Kuni Two, which is coming out. They had three different versions. One was sixty, one was eighty, and the one's like two hundred. And it's and it's like they usually cram a bunch of no, they, it's a stuff. bunch of doodads and crap and stuff and everything. And it's you know, it, I, I don't know. I I I wish it was just kind of would come into one thing. Well, of you course, know, I, I I hate. I hate I hate all that stuff. I, I I you know like I bought Battlefront two. I've played the main story and that was about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not an online gamer so much. Um, I don't know. I'm I, just terrible at it normally. Like for some reason, Overwatch. I'm actually halfway decent and I don't want to chuck my controller at the screen. But most first person shooters, I am just the worst at. So I don't play a lot of online myself. Mm. But I do. I love the online the experience. I mean, I, I, I like the, the ability to play someone like like I, I'm I'm a Madden guy. Like I yeah. like playing mm-hmm. sports games with my friends online. Right. Um, I hate playing with the online community. Um, I just don't, I don't enjoy it. That's I, like to me the one downside about PlayStation Online is that people don't use their headsets, and people that there's on Xbox it's totally different. They, they use their headsets a lot, and yeah. I actually I enjoy fun that. story. I convinced a small child that I was Andy Serkis as Gollum. Yeah, he told and me he that. was, was on funny. Conan O'Brien's Clueless Gamer. Nice. Like he was yeah, like, I don't know. So eight if or anyone 10. ever wondered what Andy does in his free time. Yeah, I get on Xbox Live and I just start doing voices because it's fun and I'm like, You're on Conan O'Brien <laughs> Precious. And he's like no way. Oh my god. And then two seconds later he completely forgets and he's just so absorbed in the game. Oh, guys, big rumor coming out What's right that? now. Big rumor. Um, Man of Steel 2, supposedly no the announcement is imminent. Mm. Um, I don't know how soon imminent means uh, to them, but apparently in the very near future, I would almost have to guess Comic-Con. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to get a Man of Steel 2 announced. Look, I'm in the minority here, no. and I know that. I loved Oh, I love Man, Man of Steel. Steel. I-, I think there's a little bit too much action. No, upon, I don't. upon rewatching it a few times, I think there's a little too much action, but I think it is hands down, except for like the 10, 15 minutes we had a Superman in Justice League, I think is the best Superman. I think there's way too much destruction. Um, what? Like, what? You know, it's, 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 it's a spots. battle between basically yeah. two Supermen. Right. right. Like, yeah. But like, I, I get how it. many people probably died though. Yeah, but how many people probably died in Avengers? How many people died? Less, less than how many people? Superman. Sokovia. How many Sokovia, people? They said how many people like did Batman kill in the Dark Knight trilogy? How, I mean, how many people died in uh, all of the Transformers? I mean, shit. Movies? Andy I mean, killed two guys yesterday. When? Yeah. Like, oh, of yeah. course. But like, Shh. I hate hearing. I hate Sorry. hearing. <laughs> That I mean, he did. I don't care, whatever. <laughs> but I hate hearing that defense. You know, people are like, "Oh, you, you can you imagine how many people died when those buildings collapsed?" I'm it's, like, "It's like it it's might, a yeah. friggin' movie. right." It might as well be. This is Chewbacca. <laughs> Why am I talking about it's Chewbacca? It's a Wookiee like, defense. Yeah, pretty it's much. It's so irrelevant. Like it's you know, the scuba zombies like, defense. The scuba. <laughs> it, it's just it's ridiculous. This is a movie. This uh, is a earth shattering moment. Yeah, people are going to die. This yeah. is a terrible and, and event. That, and that's actually and I am I I very rarely defend Zack Snyder. That is very much built into 
the whole the weight of the film. Yeah, and the character. It is. Um, I think I think Man of Steel, you know, is probably his best film that wasn't a direct adaptation of something. Mm-hmm. Um, like Three Hundred, killed it. I love his Watchmen. I know that changed yeah. the ending. I love his Watchmen. I mm-hmm. think that's the closest. Boy. I know they're doing that series now with Damon Lindelof at HBO. Right. Um, I can't imagine they're going to get much closer than Snyder did. Um, and he even added stuff that I liked, like the comedian killing JFK and stuff like that, like stuff that right. wasn't in the comics. That that fit really well um, before Watchmen kind of poo-pooed that whole thing in the continuity, yeah. but whatever. Whatever. Um, and actually, it's um, speaking of Henry Cavill, there's a rumor he's going to pop up in Shazam. Yes, yeah. I heard that. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really cool um, because those characters are very much intertwined in the comics. Right. You know, they, they don't share origins, they don't share this, but they are. it's very much a Superman and Captain Bull Shazam there's been a lot of the comics with them, you know, the, the comparisons. Uh-huh. Their powers are almost identical. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Superman weak against magic? Yes, magic can harm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, yellow used to be able to harm Green Lantern. Magic, right. Magic, yeah, magic. Uh, he is not. He's invulnerable, or he's vulnerable to magic. Right. Um. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. That'll be very interesting. Um. But the question is, how invulnerable they're going to make him? You know, like like in freaking Superman Returns, that fucking travesty. The guy. And what are some villains that like use magic regularly in DC, in um, the DC universe? Well, try, I mean, try, think uh, off the top um, of your head. What's Trigon? Zatanna's not a villain. Okay. No, she's, she's a. Good, um, oh God, what's um, uh, the, the guy I can't in the even helmet? Think of any the guy of in the, the helmet. The guy in the oh, doctor. You're talking about um, Doctor Fate. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's he uses magic. Um, there's um, who's the kid with the cat? Oh, he's like some demon guy. Yeah. Like okay. Lucius or... Uh, it's, um, I won't say it's like Tyrion, but it's not. Maybe that's the name of the cat? Could be. Um, I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, that'll be name. interesting. Uh, it'll be very of interesting. Of course you would say that, R.D. Yeah, that's a great name. It. Tyrion's a fantastic name. But, uh, D- yeah, DC, a lot of a lot of stuff coming out for DC. Um, yeah. They just confirmed that the Joker's finally going to appear on Gotham. The actual Joker. The actual Joker, because this guy they have running around pretending to be the Joker is not is actually that Jerome? the Joker. Yeah, Jerome. The, that the whole show is shameless. nonsense. I think they just they he just plays recast. Demon and shameless. Yeah. yeah. They they just recast um, Scarecrow. I think for like the third or fourth time or some shit like that. It's they it's just make a damn Batman show already. Like mm-hmm. they, they so badly clearly want to stop mm-hmm. giving us this garbage called Gotham. This show is freaking horror. I love superhero shows. I unapologetically watched all of Inhumans. It was fucking horrible. You've been watching Black Lightning or whatever. I actually I have them saving it. I want to okay. binge watch it. Um, but I've heard I hear it's, there's it's a, a lot great of Batman show. I caught about twenty there. minutes of the first episode and it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, his costume needs a little bit of work. It's a little okay. bright. But, no, it's really good. Um, I mean, most of the first seasons of the DC stuff on CW ends up being quite well, quite good. I have such a hard time getting into network television shows. Like, yeah, well, no, like, it's like, so, like, I, I watch Flash, I watch yeah. Arrow, I watch all their shows, but I'll usually put them on in the background right. while I'm working on stuff because, like, I enjoy them to an extent, but, like, yeah. you don't really need to fully pay it. It's like Black Mirror. I haven't finished the new season yet. Because I want to sit down well, and yeah, watch that's that. Something you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. To, right? It's solely something I want to sit down and watch. Like yeah. for example, I will say this: I'm very much looking forward to the return of Legends of Tomorrow um, because they're bringing Matt Ryan's Constantine. Yes, and I am ecstatic. I think he he is the embodiment of that character. Like he is he is to Constantine what Professor what Patrick Stewart is to Professor X. Um, and and they finally let him have a cigarette. When he would popped mm. up at the end of the first half of the season, and Good. that was something they adamantly couldn't show on his show. 
um, you know, it's funny. Cause I mean, that's I, important to his character. No, it's totally important to his character. Otherwise, it'd be a non-issue. But, like, that's a very big part of his character, um, especially with the whole cancer storyline and all that stuff. Um, I, I'm excited. I, I, I remember when the show was out, I wasn't a huge fan. Uh-huh. I thought they kind of missed the mark a little bit. But you would watch that show and he wouldn't be able to smoke. But then you would turn on NBC and watch Hannibal and this guy got turned into a human freaking cello. And it's like they can show that, but they can't show the guy smoking. Like sh- South Park can literally count how many times they say shit. Right, right. But you can't show Constantine smoking. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck is that? Shit, now, now children no, yeah, are impressionable, right. okay? Okay. It's easy, okay? So rate the show accordingly. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? And, and who... Like, you're not going to see someone smoking out on the street anyway. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like, it, there's literally not one person. It's like removing booze from something. Yeah, you like, know? you literally, it's not like you're going to walk up down the street. Oh, why are you smoking? Oh, Constantine smokes. That's, right. That's why I well, smoke. This I'm isn't the child. fucking 60s anymore. Like, right. How, you know, it's not, like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, the I, image of the cowboy smoking no longer influences Yeah, people. I feel like if your kid is the kind of kid who's going to watch something and then go out and repeat it, that's right. on you. That's bad parenting. Yeah. I grew up listening to Sublime and watching Rocky Horror Picture Show, and and you're still messed up. Yeah, but like I never took that <laughs> stuff and went to school right. and was like swearing or like, hmm. you know, going yeah. around killing people with a pickaxe. I, I don't think that that influenced my actions. No, but, no, you know, no. And, I don't, and, and I don't he just think, likes murder. So yeah, that's not right. A, that's stop different. talking about my murder <laughs> habits. Sex murder party. Sex murder party. Yeah, we don't listen to the gorillas and then have a sex murder party. That's true. I wish. I mean, I mean, we said this the other day. You shouldn't have a party without a little bit of sex and murder. Right. Yeah. A Dothraki wedding is not. It's a dull affair. A dull affair if there's not at least three deaths. Yeah, at least you know? three. And and, and, and a kind sex of murder actually, party, you need more than that. Kind of melding those two things together, I saw a, an article that Zack Snyder saved Jason Momoa's acting career because he was so having cast trouble casting yeah. after being called Drogo. I saw and that now, interview actually. Yep. Yeah, that's that's I. That's the same reason people leave Doctor Who after three mm-hmm. seasons. They're afraid of getting typecast as a Doctor. I think that's why Matt Smith has been trying to reach out and do well. The Crown, stuff the Crown and is like really the Crown and wasn't that nominated I, for some Emmys? I think so. Maybe. Yeah, I, I believe so. But yeah, Matt Smith. Matt Smith has shown, and David Tennant, I think, and all the doctors, I think, of the new doctors, mm-hmm. Eccleston, Tennant, Smith. I think they've all shown that they have range outside of the Doctor. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't think that's necessarily because they left at the right time. I think you could have ten, ten, some, so many people. David Tennant's the Doctor. Um, I feel like with that kind of role, that's just what happens, and you got to not be worried about getting typecast. Right. Um, I understand the fear. Because that was like kind of like a th- that's a big thing is getting right. typecast in Hollywood, but um, you know I I don't know. Um, although I always saying more power to the people who that's true do get typecast and then break out of that. Yeah. Like oh, Daniel absolutely. And like Emma Watson, Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson are perfect examples. You're yeah. right. They are both fantastic actors in their own right. Right. Um, and even Rupert Grint's yeah he's, went out and done he's a got cool, some good stuff. Yeah. Um, you know. I love Emma Watson. Right. Yeah, <laughs> to death. Of course. Um, if you're watching Emma, marry me. Um, I send that to Brie Larson as well. <laughs> um, but uh, it's actually speaking of Jason Momoa and Game of Thrones, um, Maisie Williams right. is in New Mutants, which they pushed back 10 months, but it's rated PG-13. Uh, um, more and more coming out since they pushed that release date, I really do think it has a lot to do with her Game of Thrones schedule. They haven't said that. But they already months. rated the movie, yeah. but they still pushed it back two months. It has to be minor shit. Right. That, that I, I, It has to be. I don't, 
I'm so confused as to why they pushed it back if it's not just a filming schedule thing. I have no unless it's a Marvel thing. Unless Marvel was like here, blah 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 blah. Right. But they don't have to do that. No. Marvel doesn't have control of their shit for another twelve to eighteen months. Mm. So I mean, you know, um but yeah, that's PG thirteen and then um actually you know how we discussed the other day the rumor about Disney shutting or Marvel shutting down all the X Disney X D animation stuff. Right, right. Um they just actually announced that they're renewing Spider Man for season two. Oh, that's cool. That being said, um, with animation, mm-hmm. chances are that series season's been done already. Right. Um, so I very still think true. that rumor might be very valid mm-hmm. because it takes a few years to build up and start an animated series and all that stuff. So, you know, we'll see. Um, it'll be interesting. You know, uh, I, I really just want to see what comes after that because I really just hate all those shows. Right. And I love cartoons. I love superhero cartoons. I own Spectacular Spider-Man. I own... Wolverine and the X-Men I own freaking well there's just something like, to be said about great animation yeah. because the work that goes into it where whether it comes down to the voice acting and the artwork and getting everything just on point yeah I mean that's just such a to me a daunting task oh yeah we're starting to realize it now as right. we're producing yeah. the Avenging Justice series it is a daunting very daunting so. task yeah. and that's we have we're barely past the drawing character we're not even past the drawing characters phase we're we're like the we're literally on the drawing board yeah it's it's insane how much goes into that stuff um but we're learning and it's it's real fun but yeah it's crazy how much actually goes into those things and how how long it takes to like dragon ball right um and stuff like that um mm-hmm. it's especially when it's more traditional animation and mm-hmm. not some of the stuff you see in adults when it's very flash based and right. stuff like that takes a long time pretty you got to think someone's drawing every frame of that mm-hmm. yeah i, lo- I love uh, when dan Harmon's asking like why is rick and morty coming back um we have to draw it yeah right. no it's it's like um you got to think about this way film rounding up here 24 frames a second yeah that is 24 still essentially 24 still photos well unless they're doing unless they're doing television which is typically 30 frames yes that's yeah. true but the, my point is is that film and television is basically still photos moved quickly together to create a moving image mm-hmm. correct you have that which you can capture in camera but for animation you have to do that yeah and then you, you gotta frame. then you gotta hire somebody to do what's called the in-betweens yeah, uh, which, which are, I didn't even know what that is until yeah. I just said that. So it's basically all the, uh, like they'll they'll draw the main actions and stuff like that, and but then all the to get from like point A to point B, there's a bunch of drawings in the middle. So right, they have to have somebody draw all those. It's just it's not it, it's hard it's, work. It's a lot of work. It, it's actually you no. Know, it's always really interested me is like uh, like a film score. You would think something like that mm-hmm. would take an inordinate amount of time you would think they would need to be doing this and working on it before the film even started but they don't bring those guys in until, until the film until is. the film's done yeah, because and they score they it to, to the film feel. yeah no absolutely i just think it's really you know like um like i've seen a lot of really cool john williams stuff yeah of him composing and it just blows my mind like how something so masterful masterfully written can be put together and put out so quickly right um you know it's interesting speaking of composers right. uh, i actually just read um han zimmer is going to be coming out of superhero retirement after two years yeah to score x-men dark phoenix I'm not going to save the movie but it might sound good now yeah and he's great no I mean, it will he's got... sound good no it will sound good it will, sound it will be a good. fantastic and score he worked on gladiator inception dark knight yeah, no, he, he uh, is, uh, uh, um, who did he, he did, what did he do? Interstellar. Interstellar, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Superman? No, he didn't do Superman. Man of Steel? He did Man of Steel. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's worked on a lot. We talked about oh, the yeah, crown no. earlier. He's when it when it comes crown. to modern like scores, it, I feel like it goes John Williams, mm-hmm. and then right under him is Hans Zimmer. Yep. Yeah, and then. Oh, I can't Actually, and I take then, that back. Uh, Jen, Jen Johnny Greenwood. Yep. Is that how you, I don't know, I think uh, yeah. how you pronounce his name. His Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. He does some other stuff, too. But yeah, yeah He, he actually scored uh, the very first Iron Man movie. Yep. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Did he do Westworld, too? Yes. He might have. Yes. That, would, that makes that's, sense, okay. because like hearing the theme in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's yep. definitely him. Yeah, first no, Iron Man, Westworld, Game of Thrones. There's a, the big ones. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ramen Dajwadi. Hmm. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Well, guys, I'm just going to go ahead and butt in here. Mm -hmm. I've got a new segment today. Ooh. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to pull that up and we're going to go ahead and, uh, and get that ready to go. Let's go ahead and see what's in the box. Time to unbox some Loot Crate stuff. Now. I've been a subscriber to Loot Crate for a very long time, a couple years now, and I got in right when they started uh, doing t-shirts every single month, and this month, I have a wonderful, wonderful Rick and Morty t-shirt. I love that shirt. Yeah. The artwork on that's fantastic. Fantastic shirt. Now, sometimes the shirts, because Loot Crate, you know, contracts out with other people. Mm -hmm. In the past, you know, the quality has been kind of not great with the screen printing. But this seems to be pretty good. And I'm so in love with the design, all the Mortys, and and all the other stuff in the brain. You know, it's just fantastic. I'm a huge Rick and Morty nut, just like RD. So I love this shirt. So let's open up. And Ian. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to open up. This came in this box. Obviously, I didn't want to like not wear a shirt. Do they share who the artist is of, of that? I the do, I'm sure you can find out, but every month is, is a surprise. So Wonderful. in this month's box, yes. I have received the theme was Discover. Ooh. Okay. They stopped sending out the little catalogs, but they uh, send you this neat little card. It tells you, like, oh, you want to read the Luke Curry magazine that we usually send out? On the bottom there. First off, pair. Harry Potter socks. Woo-woo. Dope. Oh, those Problem. are super dope. Expel a warmest. Problem. That's bad. Anytime that Harry Potter stuff comes in the box, my wife takes it. Mm. Stranger Things in Harry Potter. Oh, that's for me, right? Yeah. Okay. I want to live. Uh, next, next up. Obviously, they send you the monthly pin, which this Speaking is of Westworld. Pretty dope pin yeah. from Westworld. It's the maze. The maze. There is this really neat X Files card game they sent me. Now I haven't really tried to play the game, but you open it up and oh look. There she is. There's uh, there's Scully. Scully. And I'm going to go ahead and rip these cards open here. I should have pre-opened these, but I will not be requiring your knife, RD, because okay. I think I, I got it. it. I got it. Okay. So it looks like there's a bunch of uh, pictures on the front of different things. And on the back, they are the X-Files. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how to play the game. I'm sure there's an instruction card in here somewhere. Uh, It's called X-Files, A Circle of Truth. Mm. And maybe this is the instructions. Yes, it is. And the truth is out there. The truth is somewhere. 
I don't know where, but it's somewhere. According mm-hmm. to Fox, it's on the X Files. Mm. Well, good one. That is Thank still <laughs> now. N- the last thing that I got in this crate is my favorite thing that they sent this month, and they they, they sent one of these before. Um, they're called Super Emoji Friends, and mm. last time I got one, it was a Stranger Things with Eleven stitch, sticking her hand out, blood coming out of her nose, and a Demogorgon, and a season one coming to get her uh, with the chalkboard behind it. So it's a whole diorama setup. Mm. Westworld. Yes. So I'm going to open up this. And they, what they give you is they give you a couple little cool characters and a little background set, and you can build it. And this seems Looks like a Dolores. Lot, I see. This seems like a lot better than the last one. But Are you guys caught up on season one? Nope. Okay. Westworld. Nope. Uh, and then they got these little peg characters here that you know that's, go on here. And, that's uh, Dolores. Yep. And then they got this uh, dude. I'm gonna call him Bob because I don't remember his name. Might as well be Bob. No. And he's his... got a little chair. <laughs> so I thought this was a. His pretty... name is Bernard. Pretty good loot crate for Bernie. the month. Yeah, it's pretty nifty. Dolores pretty, and Bernard. Pretty dang nifty. Oh, uh, if, actually. Oh, there we go. Mind. No spoilers. So he's in the chair. Hashtag you know. no spoilers. That's kind um, of, it's a spoiler? So what I'm saying is, guys, it? if you haven't invested in loot crate, and it is clearly an investment, um, I can't remember the exact price. Loot crate does not sponsor us yet. Uh, but Give us free shit. But that's my line. But it's it's generally around fourteen ninety nine a month um, when you when you buy a bunch of months in advance. Uh, it is cheaper, and it's worth it because that but that it, crate alone, that little Westworld thing, could probably run you about fifteen twenty bucks. Yeah, I feel like alone. every every loot crate or like Marvel box or like any of those those like. Um, Get, you know any of those boxes? Mm-hmm. There's always at least one item in there that is literally worth worth. Yeah. Well, they guarantee yeah, that it's alone. worth. It's worth. The box's estimated value is forty to sixty-five dollars. Well, guys, sorry to cut you off there. Okay, we have a phone call from the legendary Bob Layton. Bob, are you there? Hey, how's it going, man? I'm fine. How you doing? Good. Welcome to Geektainment Weekly. Geektainment Weekly. I love that. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, actually, I lied. I'm not fine. I'm actually getting over that flu. That, so if I uh, wind up uh, hacking and coughing through this, uh, please excuse me. Oh, you're, it made its way through the office over the last few weeks. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, whenever you travel, I just, you know, I just got back from Phoenix. I looked on the map, uh, uh, and it was ground zero for the flu there. No. <laughs> of course it was. Uh, yeah, but uh, the show must go on, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. And we appreciate you coming on our show today. Absolutely. We are we are giant gi- giant fans, huge fans. giant oh. nerds over here, <laughs> geeks and oh yeah, I, I I have many of your covers and your and your stories and yeah. Well, hence the title of the show, eh? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. The, we bring people the week and geek. <laughs> so yeah, so you guys, it, you guys found of Detroit? Yeah, yep, we're, yeah, at, yep. we're right here in Detroit. Yeah, we're down uh, Metro Detroit. We're out uh, one of my places. Farmington Hills. That's right. Now, for, for those of our viewers who don't really know uh, Bob Layton at all, uh, Bob has, he co-plotted uh, the insanely beyond famous cover, Demon in a Bottle for Iron Man. And Bob, uh, I am a huge Iron Man nerd. I mean, I've loved Iron Man since I was a kid. 
And I remember seeing that co- cover in a comic book store my dad took me to when I was a child. And I said, oh, Iron Man, I want that one. And my dad said, no, because it had alcohol <laughs> on it. Um, and I didn't understand, but, you know, I, I later got to, you know, read that issue. And I, I'm just saying, you know, I mean, the cover is just so amazing. And it just so encapsulates uh, what Tony Stark's struggle is. And I just, I can't thank you enough for for creating that. Yeah, it, it, it's probably not the kind of thing that like little kids sleep well at night, but the, the <laughs> point is, it was that era. It was the late 70s. And as you, well, I don't know, you guys sound really young. So, <laughs> uh, but what, you know, during that time period, you know, comics always reflect what's going on. It's a mirror of what's happening socially. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what's popular out there. We, you know, uh, the uh, illusion is, is that we create all this amazing stuff. No, we actually reflect what's going on in society. And at that particular time, uh, you know, alcoholism and, and drug addiction was being spoken about openly for the first time. The Betty Ford Clinic opened, and people were, were talking about it, you know, and it seemed a logical extension of that, that now we could actually discuss this in the context of comics. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's, I love, that's a great way of looking at it. I never really thought about it. Yeah. That way. Right. I mean, yeah, the, comics have always been a social mirror. Right. I mean, even yeah. as far back as when it, you know, yeah, Superman, I guess, yeah, and, Superman and, and Captain America and, and, and yeah, World War II and all that stuff. Yeah, that's, I guess it's very true. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, ego aside, because mm-hmm. we all like to think that we're all these, these brilliant creators or whatever. But the, the point of it is everything we do is kind of built off of what's happening in the world around us. I mean, you think about it. Uh, Chris Claremont's famous, you know, Days of Future Past story, was, you know, that was done during the time where Terminator 2 was like the biggest movie out there. Right. Yeah, you know? that's true. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was kind of like we, whether it's other mediums or, I mean, because Stan Lee borrowed from everything from Shakespeare to the Bible. So, you know, we, we tend to basically reflect whatever's going on out there in popular culture. And sometimes it's socially relevant. Absolutely. Excelsior, Bob, stop giving away my secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But uh, actually... I didn't know you had Stan there. That's lovely. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Stan Lee sitting here, Bob. Uh, You you missed picking up your paycheck. Stan, I have to say something, okay? All right. You really smell good for a 95-year-old. <laughs> you know, I, I bathe in, in, in uh, old perfumes. You know, uh, the frankincense and the myrrh from, from the Bible days. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, so I, we're, I was doing some research for a call today. I didn't know this, um, that you had a huge hand in Turok in the 90s? Well... Turok, the revamp of it, the original, you know, originally it was a gold key character along, and we, when it, we found its Valiant comics in the in the late '80s, early '90s, uh, we built off of a license we had for those gold key characters, which was Magnus Turok and Solar Man of the Atom, mm-hmm. uh, and from there we went on to create uh, our own pantheon of characters, uh, like Exo Man of War and Jack the Harbinger. Uh, Bloodshot, who's now apparently Vin Diesel's going to play in the upcoming Sony movie. Yeah, didn't they just uh, do a, sh- a live-action short online as well with Jason David Frank? 
playing the character? Uh, well, I you know I don't know because I'm not really part of that organization. That's just part of my legacy. That's like saying mm-hmm. if I was a retired mm-hmm. football player, what's the inner? You know, if I was Joe Montana, what's the inner workings of the San Francisco 49ers right, right. now? I couldn't really tell you. Uh, but you know, I you know, Valiant is a huge part of my legacy, and obviously, I try to support them whenever possible. And I still do covers for for them from time to time. But uh, these, these, I basically helped create that whole uh, that whole uh, universe there. Uh, but we the springboard that we use were established characters that retailers, comic book retailers, had heard about before. So Solar Magnus and Turok allowed us to do that. You know, it gave us some sort of recognition. It's like, oh, I remember, because I remember reading Solar Man the Atom as a kid, okay? So, you know, I had some 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 notion of that. So, again, whenever you're trying to market a new product, you know, it always helps to have some sort of built-in cachet. So how did that turn into the game? I love the game. Yeah. The game was great. Oh, the game, well, what happened was, uh, after we were wildly successful, uh, we were ordered by the venture capitalists that that had financed the company to sell the company. So the highest bidder was Acclaim uh, Entertainment at the time. Acclaim, a now defunct video game company, at the time bought us. And one of the things that they wanted to do immediately was to 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 do Turok as a video game, as a first person shooter. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, basically, they asked me to come up with the premise for that, and you know. Uh, we I've got the boys together and we did the design work and all that kind of thing for the characters and that, uh, which was fun because you know I mean it was my my one foray into the video game business. But uh, uh, I still it was, play that uh, game. Most popular game that they ever did uh, that wasn't a license from somewhere else. But uh, you know, shortly after that, I left the company, and a couple of years after that, the claimer had mismanaged it into ruin. <laughs> so, uh, One of the other yeah. awesome things that you know I want to thank you for, and we all want to thank you for, is that you launched X-Factor yeah. at Marvel. I mm-hmm. That is one of my favorite classic runs of all time. I own every issue of your run mm-hmm. on that book. I well, there wasn't it. a lot. Well, still, though. <laughs> still, though. Still, though. Oh, I mean, no. you know that's the first time there's so many things that happened in that book that are like now iconic to the X-Men lore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, there was uh, the politics were murder on that because, and that's one of the reasons I left guys. Let, let me tell you a quick uh, story about me. I've always had one rule about my work, whether it's working in film, whether it's working in comics or whatever is when it stops being fun, bleed. Because the, the whole point of being a storyteller is that you get to enjoy what you do. I mean, don't you guys love being, you know, on the radio? Absolutely. We do love it. Yeah, actually, actually it's funny. Two it, of right? us are aspiring filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. yeah Ian and I yeah, both, uh, like it, right? yeah, we, we both write shorts and stuff like that. You can't wait to get in the studio and put the headset on, can you? We can't. Oh, no, we look forward to Friday. Every, yeah, well, oh, yeah. that's that's my point. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the trouble is, as much fun as X Factor was in the beginning with me, because I got to work with Butch Geist, who was my 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 buddy and my pal, and uh, the fact I got to bring back the X Men that I knew, you know, the ones that were familiar to me when I was growing up, um, that was a thrill. But the politics of it, because it was the first X Men book not produced by the X Men editorial office. Oh. Out. And as a result, the politics on the book became 
untenable. So after five issues, I, I walked, you know, I basically said, this isn't fun. And, you know, I mean, it was the best selling book in Marvel history at the time. Well, even, even so those five Uh, issues are so iconic. Yeah. But it's never been about the money, dude. Well, I left, I I left a claim. I bought my way out of the con, my contract there. Mm -hmm. I left a million seven on the table out of my shares and walked away because I wasn't, it wasn't fun anymore. That, you know, that's really it's never, it's motivating. Never about the money. That's really awesome to hear that it's yeah, about your art. It's absolutely. about how, enjoying what you're doing, and I, I totally respect that. Absolutely. If you do what you, if you do everything that you, you know, you put a hundred percent into it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it comes from your heart, you know, you and you do a good job, and people re- respond to that, the money will come. Right. You know, I mean, it's it's and it's kind of like it's never been about the money for me. You know, never has been. So, yeah, I walked off of X Factor because it wasn't fun anymore. I didn't like the politics. It's easier to go back to writing and drawing something else that wasn't so political. As it turned out, I went back to Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, is, is that yeah. When, that's when you created uh, War another, Machine, right? It did another 50 issues or something. Uh, but uh, it was like, uh, yeah, it was just, again, following my own edict where I like you said, I I became a storyteller because I wanted to enjoy life and work in my jammies most of the time. <laughs> and you basically, I'm talking to my jammies right now. I'm in my Respect. sweatpants. Right. I'm in my sweatpants. So high, uh, air high five. I got, I got yeah. my New York uh, uh, flannels on. Okay. Uh, so actually, um, sorry, Detroit Lions fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We're we're used to not going to the playoffs. Yeah, anyway, we're very so used to that. It's fine. Yeah. But. Well, listen, uh, you have promise. I mean, I'm a Jets fan. Okay, so oh, you know. okay. I, I yeah, that's uh, I feel your pain. A really quick, really quick story. I grew up in Indiana. Mm-hmm. All right, in the '60s there, and uh, we had no football game. So the very my very first memory, the very first football game I ever watched was Super Bowl three with Joe Namath. So Broadway Joe became my hero, and I became a Jets fan, even though I lived in Indiana. Then when I was 19, I moved to New York to start my apprenticeship. So. From then on, it became this exercise in frustration that has gone my entire adult life. But it all—it's Joe Namath's fault. <laughs> it's all Joe Namath's fault. Blame that, it on Joe. That damn Joe yeah. Namath. But you're—you're uh, you're out in Florida now, right? Yeah, I'm in Tampa. I—I uh, 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 was out working in Hollywood for the last ten years, and I came back here a year ago, April, to to, to try to revitalize the film industry here with the. Uh, with some of the connections I brought from Hollywood and with a group of partners and investors, we're, you know, we're going to, uh, we're waiting for uh, the governor here, Skeletor, to term out. Yeah, Skeletor! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're waiting for Skeletor to term out so we can uh, uh, basically try to revitalize. Because the unions here have been dormant. I think the last production here was Ballers, Mm -hmm. and they moved to L.A. a year ago. And so all the all the union people are, are out of work right here right now, and uh, they offer really no film incentives whatsoever. So I've been talking to few representatives in the state house, to uh, people in the unions, me, my partners and I, and uh-huh. uh, basically we're gonna, we're making a huge push in 2018 to try to uh, revitalize the film industry here, and make films uh, based on my creation. Yeah, I mean, we totally understand 
uh, here in Michigan because you yeah. know we lost our film incentive a few years back, and then with, everyone moved to Georgia. You know the last few Transformers movies, <laughs> you know, yeah. but it, it's it's been it's been really disheartening. So I mean, thank thank God we have you know the auto industry here because you know we get a lot of industrial auto work, but that's about it. I mean they're not really making right. movies here anymore, and it's sad. Right. Well, so I I really kind of believe because when I was out there, you know, I mean I wrote. I wrote just a slew of scripts that were placed at one point or another. And then, you know, because 90% of shit never gets made out there. Right, right. right. So uh, it's like, so I had a ton of stuff that had been placed at one time or another. I sat in, in pre-production hell for a year or two or whatever. And it just occurred to me that it would be easier for me to come back to someplace like this put together the right people and just make the damn things myself. Absolutely. Right. That's, the, that's the best so, mentality. That's what the process. That's what the process is right now. You know, I have a, a couple of great partners, former uh, uh, Hollywood people. A lot of us. A lot of people left LA because you know it, the paradigm has changed, guys. Uh, thanks to uh, uh, subscription television, mm-hmm. you think of uh, 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 Netflix and Hulu and and Amazon and all this kind of stuff where they're doing feature films, right? Big budget feature films. Mm-hmm. You know, directly there. So the the, the need to be there in Hollywood. You know, it was like in the comics industry in the 70s, okay? Right. Everybody had to live in the tri-state area. You couldn't work in comics unless you did because the mail wasn't reliable, there wasn't FedEx, and there wasn't the Internet. So we all, all starving artists had to live in New York. Mm-hmm. Well, the same has been true in Hollywood for the most part, that if you wanted to work there, you had to be in Hollywood, right? right. Mm-hmm. But uh, that paradigm is changing uh, uh, tremendously. Because, uh, uh, one, because, uh, again, social media and the Internet and, uh, telecommuting and the fact that now uh, all these uh, outlets have opened up. Uh, entertainment has become m- massive and international and uh, uh, streaming. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I plan to take advantage of that. That's awesome. Yeah, we're, we Andy and I are aspiring filmmakers ourselves, so we we love love that. We love that. Um, you actually, in terms of film, you actually had a decent amount of hands. In Iron Man, didn't you? Well, I, I went out there initially to, to uh, for the first two Iron Man movies, but uh, my uh, uh, which was great. Let me tell you, though, know, the experience was amazing, and working with Downey and Favreau and everybody and uh, uh, Dave Mizell, the founder of Marvel Studios, and uh, Jeremy Latcham and Kevin Feige, all those guys—they're they're fantastic people and huge fans. I mean, it, it was to me is one of the highlights of my career was to have Favreau and Downey fanboying out on me. <laughs> That's so wow! Cool. It was it was it was it was uh, Twilight Zone. So Kevin Feige. That's how how do you pronounce that? Feige. I've Feige, always wondered. Yeah, Feige. Yeah. Uh, it was like, uh, but I'm just saying to have those guys being fanboyed out here. I was all nervous to meet them, and they they were all nervous to meet me. You that know, must it, have been it, so it, cool. It, it was it was it was surreal, guys. But uh, as far as having a hand in, I was really the queen of England. My job was PR. <laughs> they, had, they had so much writing on the movie, you know, because they had you know borrowed up to their eyelids, right? Yeah, right. And Dave, Dave Mizell, the founder of Marvel Studios, is the biggest Bob Layton Iron Man fan <laughs> in the world. I mean, his office looks like a Bob Layton office. Okay, so it wasn't any coincidence that Iron Man was going to be the first movie they did. Yeah, and I, and it, it was a smart move because it's the least fantastical 
concept of everything. If you buy the, the if you buy the technology, the whole thing works, right? But right. Iron Man has always been my Iron Man has always been about Tony Stark. Yeah, and that's, right. and that's, and that's what the hook. took it to being uh, one of Marvel's yeah. most successful books is your yeah. your take on Iron Man and so what it. they what I really did was I did you know I mean I did a lot of the special features stuff, but I also I did tons of interviews. And, you know, especially with the fan media because, you know, they wanted me to make sure that the fans knew that this was going to be true to the spirit of what they knew and that they're going to love it. And so, yeah, I was really the Queen of England. It's not like I could run in and say, no, you need to change that in the script or something. That wasn't really funny, part yeah. of the plan. We just uh, talked about it. Yeah. The, the Andy Park or some of the other guys who did a lot of the design work there, and they were, they were huge Bob Layton fans too, so... Yeah, my, my, my imprint is on those things, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity I had to be there. And as a result of that, I stayed. I didn't plan on staying out in Hollywood, but then I started getting work on my own as a writer. I worked in television for a while, and then I went to work with uh, Edward James Almost and his son Michael at their production company. And, uh, you know, I just I did a whole bunch of stuff, from you know, from uh, designs to uh, script doctoring, you name it. Well, you were involved uh, in launching the first ever miniseries in comic book history, the Hercules yeah, Prince of Power. Yeah, I can't wait for the movie of that. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. That's funny. Yeah. Well, Guardians. It was Guardians of the Galaxy before Guardians of the Galaxy. If you read it. Oh yeah, you know? no, they totally changed those characters completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but the tone was is totally Hercules. I said the only thing that was missing from Guardians was Skippy the Scroll and the Recorder. There you go. Well, Bob, you have uh, clearly made another fan out of me. I'm now a Bob Late Night, and I'm going to have to start. I'm going to start, you know, uh, buying more Bob Layton art for my office. Mm. Well, I love that about you. Like I said, <laughs> there you go. We're we're already. Oh best no, friends he's now. he's a giant Iron Man no, no. fan. When I he was the first person I called when I found out we were going to talk yeah. to you. I call. I'm like Andy. I'm just letting you know. So blah, 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 uh, blah, yeah, blah. I'm wearing, wearing a Stark Industries hat. I have a hat. Stark Industries hat uh, with the uh, the logo on the back from uh, the Stark Expo. Uh, I have a very large, extensive Iron Man collection that my wife makes me keep half of it in tubs. Uh, uh, inclu- so wait, we, we, we get no love for Ant-Man? Remember, I'm the co-creator of Scott Lang as well. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Yo, I love yeah. Ant-Man. Oh, I was, that was actually going to be my next talking point. <laughs> yeah, David Michelini. We got uh, the movie coming up this uh, this summer with, uh, and it's got one of our villains that Dave and I created, the Ghost. That's He's the awesome. guy in. Oh, you heard it here yeah. first. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Wow. We. I know I know as much about it as, as you guys do. Other than I'll probably go to the premiere, which is. Can I tell you something? Yeah, uh, absolutely. If you saw the pictures on my website or whatever. Marvel uh, movie premieres are one of the best parties you could ever go to, guys. It is so much fun. <laughs> Do you have any plus for ones? Ant-Man, <laughs> for the Ant-Man premiere, I actually had my own tuxedo made that was Ant-Man colors. Oh, That's nice. so cool. Yeah, That's so you know, awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. But they they throw a hell of a party. I got to tell you, it's like uh, uh, being on the set or, or or all the other stuff is fine and good. But man, nothing's like going to the premieres. They're a blast. You did uh, War Machine also, right? You co-created yes. War Machine. Well, I uh, 
more precisely, I created the guy who was in the War Machine arc. Oh, okay. Yeah. You created Rogue. Which is kind Rogue. of kind yeah. of integral to there being a War Machine. Well, it's and it's yeah, like you exactly. said with Tony. You know, you you focused more on Tony as the character than Iron Man as the character, which I love that because you know what is the person behind the mask? Well, that's the point. You have to relate to him when he puts that suit on, and that was always the problem with the character. That's what I always perceived was. To me, it's always about character. Character creates stories. I mean, creates you know, character and conflict create great stories. And so it's always about the guy, you know. And it just occurred to me, here's Tony, rich, handsome, the smartest guy in the room, all the girls or whatever, and he didn't have a posse. He has no friends. That's you know? right. It's like, I don't, you know, I got rich friends. Believe me, they have friends, <laughs> you know. And it just it occurred to me, and so creating a cast of characters who were, you know, giving him a best friend, you know, uh, seemed seemed important to me, you know. So uh, that, hence the creation of Rhodey. Uh, the uh, putting him in the armor is secondary. Absolutely. No, absolutely, you have to have a character people care about before you can give them, you know. But also, Tony needs somebody that he can talk to honestly, because everyone else in his life blows smoke up his ass. That's true, because all they care yep. about is the money. Right. right. Money side of Tony. I've been in that position. I know. I, it's like I've had plenty of smoke going up my rectum. Yes, oh, I know. man. <laughs> that must be painful. It, well, it's not painful. It's, it's, it's weird when you're walking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, well, this, is, this is the best way to end my week. Right. Bob Layton talking about smoking his ass. This is great. I love it. <laughs> And we're, like, all big collectors here. And one of the things, too, that stands out to me is you designing Marvel's very successful Secret Wars toy line by Mattel. And, you know, we're all into that. So, like, is that... That, yeah. was, that was really impressive. That was my first trip to Los Angeles, actually. Wow. Uh, oh, nice. In the in the early 80s. And, you know, I, you know the funny... The, the thing I remember the most about it, uh, there's probably less security getting into the White House than there is getting into Mattel's toy manufacturing <laughs> facility. Because oh, apparently that is, at the time, the, the heaviest amount of industrial espionage in, uh, in the world was in the toy industry. Yeah, that's too so weird. Th- their, uh, their security uh, apparatus was rigorous. I believe that. Uh, but it was, it, was a, it was a blast, you know, to do. Uh, obviously, you know. So yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty hard to find something I haven't done. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not kidding. It's been, 40, it's been forty years. I've owned two companies. Uh, I've done pretty much everything except put the staples in the books myself. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I have over five thousand comic book credits according to the comic book database. Wow. So uh, it's been a pretty big career. But that's why I moved on to film. We're because not, we're, uh, I got out to Hollywood and and I realized that everybody out there was like you guys, man. They had grown up reading my stuff and they were they were totally geeks. I, I didn't need the introduction, and I had done everything there was to, to do in comics. I mean, uh, you know, what's another you know Hercules miniseries going to do for my career? I mean, it'd be fun, all fine and good, but as a as a creator, I needed to grow and expand and take on new challenges, and that's what this current. Uh, incarnation of me uh is all about i I guess i'm like the madonna of comic book industry i just change my whole mo every five years there's nothing wrong with that she went to my high school minus the fake british accent 
Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or or, or studying Kabbalah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> man, oh man, this is this has just been crazy. I can't believe that we've been talking to Bob Layton. I know. Yeah, right? I've been I've been kind of jazzing out about this entire week. Well, Bob, well, I, I appreciate it, guys. Well, thank you so much for calling yeah, in and joining us on our show. It's been like a tremendous honor just to speak with you and discuss, you know, all of these things. I'm it was mind really blown. I'm glad I did not hawk up a loogie while we were doing it. Too. I'm really <laughs> I'm pleased about that. Uh, listen, and thank Allison for me. for. Oh, absolutely. Allison okay. is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she seems to be very effective. She's just she's just uh, emailed me right now. Did you hear that? <laughs> That's <Yeah>. funny. Oh, <laughs> wow. Here's must have been very It was two uh, thirty. Did you see my email? If not, we'll reschedule. <laughs> somebody call Allison to let her know that we've already done the interview. <laughs> right, oh right. When goodness. I get off the phone, I'll give her a call. Yeah, I'm going to lunch. Okay. <laughs> That's right. You've earned it, my friend. Thank you, my brothers. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, and um, we'll we'll be in touch in the near future, hopefully, and we'll keep up with you. And we'll come back and we'll talk about my movies when we're uh, yeah, yes. please. We'd love Sounds to. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy the premiere. All right, that's great. Thank cool. you so much. Yeah, we'll have a good have a good weekend. Take care, Bob. You thank do. you, Bob. All right, that yeah. was awesome, Bob so, Layton. Wow. So awesome. That was great. Wow. We, I mean, been, we've been very and just, actually quick name drop the Allison that he mentioned um is with our PR agency. She is amazing. Yeah. Um she is Two thumbs up. She is the reason Five that we stars. have we have had guests on this show and some amazing guests and she has opened some incredible doors in other aspects of the company. So Absolutely. Allison, thank you uh, if you're watching. Um if not I'll make sure someone finds out that we did say this because <laughs> we really can't appreciate it enough. Right. Um, can't put into words how much Absolutely. we appreciate it. So, I couldn't think of a better way to end the week, boys. No, I couldn't. I mean, talking to the guy who you co-plotted one of the the most iconic Iron Man covers. He's the I reason mean, we like Iron Man. There's a good chance Iron Man wouldn't have existed anymore if it wasn't right. for Bob Lay. That book was almost canceled. Oh right. my gosh, I I'm just I'm just like all like. You know, holy crap! Yeah, the only way you could top this is if RDJ called in right now. Mm-hmm. But wait, is he? Robert no, Downey Jr. No. Call <laughs> us. He's not calling. Call us. But man, that 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 is the only way you could top this feeling right now. Yeah, yes. seriously, it's it's. I and I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know if that would compare. I mean, because right. this is the guy that made it actually happen. Right. So wow. You Thank can, you, you can Bob. Almost, Thank we, you so We could much. connect the dots and say if it wasn't for Bob Layton, there wouldn't be a Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, yeah, you could. You know, and that that was the time of uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s big renaissance that he had. Yeah. His, you know, Iron Man had a lot to do with oh, that. Yeah, Favreau had to fight to get him on the movie. Yeah, right. which yeah. I'm absolutely pleased. So happy he did. It, it, could, could you even imagine? Mm-mm. I couldn't imagine. No, couldn't imagine it. Couldn't imagine it. Well, we can bring it. We can bring it back up next week because we have hit the end of the show. It has been right. a fantastic show. Thank you so much, Bob Layton, for joining yes, us. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Mm, thousand thank yous. For Andy Bisha and Ian Benzman, I am R.D. Van Houten. You have been listening slash watching Geektainment Weekly right here on New Radio Media. Everybody have an awesome week, weekend. Peace. See you next Friday. Bye-bye.